of Revelations. I want to continue this series on, are you going gray? How many of you in here are going gray? See all the ladies lie? They all lie because they all go get it colored. We guys, we just go ahead and turn silver, and we don't care as long as it doesn't turn loose. I'm sorry, brother. I heard him say, hey, now. I'm talking about spirituality, and let me just uh, look at now Revelations 3, verse 15. I'm going to talk to you today about the cure for lukewarmness. And I'm going to talk to you about what lukewarmness means when Jesus said, you're lukewarm. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? Let's read. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are, what everyone? Lukewarm. And you're not cold and you're not hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. So Whatever lukewarm is, it makes Jesus, the Messiah, sick. Makes him sick. Now, because you say, now notice how self-deceived they were. They were deluded about themselves. You say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy. And here it is, I have need of nothing. And you don't know that you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked now he gives us the solution for it i counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see rich clothed and with sight. Now he encourages us. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now read the last part with me, would you? Therefore, be zealous and do what? Repent. All right, thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray you will deliver us from the curse of lukewarmness, that we would be red hot for you. In the name of Jesus, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, if lukewarmness is in me, take it out, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them, God is good. You can be seated. And I want to uh, say before I share this that we're on two radio stations now. Some of you have wondered what's happened since KVTT. Well, KVTT has moved to an AM frequency that we didn't lose KVTT. It moved. Now it's at 1110 a.m. 1110 on your dial. That's easy to remember. At 930 in the morning, we're on. And it's, it's a 50,000 watt a.m. signal, which is as strong as you can get with a.m. It's crystal clear, beautiful, powerful signal. And we're on at 930 in the mornings. And I'm going to go ahead and say the magic word, free. We're on free. For a season. But they wanted us on, and, and they put us there at 9.30, so we're on in the morning. And then at nights, we're on a new station, 91.3 FM. So if you're used to 91.7, just turn it to the left, two clicks, 91.3, and we're on at 6.30. want to let you know that. Now, um, last week I talked to you about going gray, and I was talking in the spiritual arena. 
And I'm, I'm really sharing something that's on my heart as a real concern for the American church, the church that I read about, the church that I see making decisions, the church that's in the news, different denominations, different, uh, different uh, strains of denominationalism and, and uh, belief systems, but nevertheless under the Christian banner, and they're making decisions that are so heartbreaking and so grievous. And they, they, they tell us that the church, a lot of the church in America, is going gray. And I, what I mean by that is they're going lukewarm. Spiritual mediocrity is taking the place of spiritual fervor. And we need spiritual fervency like we've never needed it before. If there was ever a day in the history of this country that Christians need to be red hot on fire for Jesus. It's today. Amen. It is today. Now, um, our problem is we're selling out to the culture. Instead of us influencing the culture, the culture is influencing us. Now, here's some of the telltale signs. No longer teaching Scripture. All kinds of churches have put the Bible out. You get three points in a poem. You get some motivational speech, but you don't get the Word of God. I have found that people are longing for and dying for and thirsty for the Word of God. But the pressure is on for the church to sell out to the culture. Uh, um, caving into the culture when it comes to political correctness. Political correctness is muzzling pastors, muzzling preachers, muzzling churches, and causing whole denominations to lay the Bible aside in order to conform to this world. But doesn't the Bible say, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, Romans 12. So we are told, don't, your job, your calling is not to conform to the world, but to stand in direct distinction to the world as a light that is shining into the dark. We're, we've gotten where we're afraid of being bold, assertive, and direct with God's Word. And I want to tell you, church, don't ever be apologetic for the Word of God. Don't be apologetic for Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to say, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and you're not going to get to the Father but through Him. Don't be afraid to quote your Master, your Messiah, your Savior. But much of the church is. And so as a result, we've gone lukewarm. You can't tell where we stand. You don't know what we believe. We're not shining into the dark. We're not seeing souls saved. Instead, we're blending in. And we have become in a, a sort of a pale shade of gray or plain vanilla. When we ought to be stark black and white. We ought to be bright light. We ought to be salty salt. I mean, we all know people who have hot faith, right? We, I love being around people with hot faith. I love hanging around with them, listening to them, letting them rub off on me. Your friends, if you're a sold-out, committed believer of Jesus Christ, your friends ought to have hot faith. They ought to be hot, not cold, not lukewarm, because you're going to become like whoever you run with. We love the people of hot faith. I love to get around them. They're the people whose energy inspires us. They're the people we look to as examples. When we're in a valley, they're, they're the ones we get on the phone. Would you pray with me? Would you come over and talk to me? Would you counsel me? Uh, these are the people who are fervent, who are zealous, who love Jesus, and you know it, and they know it, and the world knows it, and you love to see them coming. They're the ones you want to uh, run into when you walk in the doors of church. 
Where's the one that's hot in their faith? Where's the one that's really walking with God? And we, we love being around that kind of person. And I look for them, and when I find them, I keep them. As we say when we're fishing, that's a keeper. But now we also know people of cold faith or that lukewarm faith. These people are lukewarm. They're cold. And, and what are they like? They are dismissive. They're cynical. They're hard. They're jaded. They're detached from the spiritual dimension of life. They're non-responsive to spiritual things. When you get around lukewarm people, you know it pretty quick. When you start sharing the things of God, sharing what God's doing in your life, you can tell they're not registering with it. They're looking at you like you're from another planet. They kind of grin halfway, and you know they're, they, they are humoring you instead of amening you. That's the lukewarm. Their attitude is typified by an indifferent shrug of the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I take it or leave it. Reading the Bible, I got over that. I've just got, I've mellowed out. Listen, you don't want to mellow out. You don't want to get out of the cage stage. If you're excited about God, can I ask you a favor as your pastor? Stay there. Stay there. <clears throat> Believe me, there is nothing more contagious than an excited, bubbly, zealous, red-hot person of faith Everywhere they go, their smile and their exuberance is God's greatest billboard, and their excitement is contagious. And I want you to be contagious. Forget the flu. Forget the swine flu. Forget all the flus. As a matter of fact, can I tell you something? Uh, I heard a doctor two days ago on the television say, the swine flu is no more virulent than the normal influenza. Then why is the media making such a big deal out of it? They need the ratings. Don't be afraid of the flu. Don't be afraid. There's one thing you need to be contagious in, and that is your faith. I want you to be contagious. I want you to be contagious. You need to be contagious in your faith. Everywhere you go, they catch it. Everywhere you go, you give it to them. Everywhere you go, oh, here they come. Here comes that one. You know, he's, he's one of those. She's one of those. Here they come. And you walk into a room, and when you leave, there's a few people caught it. They caught your bug. They caught your faith. God wants you to spread something. That's right. But it's not the flu. It is faith in Jesus Christ. We need to get the fire back, the fervency back, the joy back, the walk back. But you know the lukewarm. Getting around them is the equivalent of a skunk showing up at your family picnic. You get around them and you know it when you walk away. You know you were just around them because they brought you down. They put out your fire. They muzzled you. They made you feel silly for having fervent faith. With the lukewarm, you get a yawn rather than an amen. And I know. I've visited churches and I've preached in churches where I was real glad I wasn't the pastor there. I got to put up once with what some poor guy put up with every week. God's frozen chosen. You could ice skate to your seat. Nobody loved you. Nobody said hello. There was no fire. There was no faith. There was no fervency. I want to say to them, why are you here? We're here to worship God. We're here to have an encounter with God. We're here to get our faith stirred up so we could go out there and be contagious this week. Spread your faith somewhere this week. The lukewarm become known for having a wide gap between their profession and how they actually live. 
That's lukewarm. They live duplicitous lives. I'm in, I'm out. I'm up, I'm down. I'm there, I'm not. The lukewarm person is, is the most difficult person to reach because they have become inoculated. They've got just enough gospel, just enough truth to become inoculated. So their word to you is usually, yeah, yeah, I've heard all that. I've heard all that. You'll settle down eventually. You'll get over it. You'll get like me. And I say to them, no, I will not get like you. I've been this way since I was 18, and I'm only getting worse. I mean, we need people who are standing up for their faith. We need people who are not ashamed to say, I have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a product of His grace and mercy. I once was blind, but now I see, was lost, but now I'm found. I'm not afraid to tell you that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to tuck my head and act like I've done something wrong. And I'm not going to be ashamed of the one who walked up Calvary's hill naked for me. I, I, I met with a, a cop friend uh, a couple of days ago. This was so funny. I met him at Starbucks where most good things happen. <laughs> if you don't know me, you know I'm a, I'm a coffee lover. So we're at Starbucks and we're at a table. David is where we've been. We're at a table right by the window. So he's sharing with me and he's all decked out in his uniform. He's got his motorcycle outside. He's got his motorcycle helmet on. He looks bad. Okay. And we're sitting there and he, we're talking about the things of God and we're sharpening each other's faith and he's sharing some things with me. And when we were done, he said, would you pray with me? And I said, sure. So I took his hands right there in Starbucks. Now, and we started praying. Now, have you ever noticed how people act when you start praying in public? They look at you through one eye. They act like they don't see you or hear you, but they are tuned in, buddy. They are watching. They act like they're continuing just to drink their coffee and look around, less they fare, but they got all of their senses. Tune in to what is going on over there because you're saying Jesus and you're saying God and you're saying in Jesus' name and it starts. And so here we were and I happened to open my eyes and I looked and here is a woman standing outside the window. She has stopped and she's looking in like we're in a zoo. She's just like this. <laughs> and, and I said, and she goes, are you praying? And I said, yes. And she laid her hand on the glass. <laughs> and we started having Pentecost at any cost right there in Starbucks. And she's, oh, yes, Jesus. I, she can't hear a thing we're saying, but she's agreeing. Well, now all these people, they have given up all pretense. They're looking. You got a woman with her hand on the glass. You got a cop and me. That's what I mean by contagious faith. Hey, everything else is coming out of the closet. Why don't you? Why don't you? So we wrapped it up, went outside, and she was at a table. Well, my cop friend, he's so full of the Holy Spirit, he walked right over and said, Woman of God, what do you need prayer about? And before I knew it, now we're praying outside. You got all these people out on the outside tables, and they're smoking their cigarettes, and they're drinking their coffee, acting like they don't see a thing that we're doing, but they're all tuned in. They're looking at us like we just landed in a UFO. But I guarantee you, we spread it. 
They went, I heard them pray in the name of Jesus. We didn't know this lady, but she knew us as brothers, and we knew her as a sister. And it was a blessed, blessed thing to experience. But you don't get that with a lukewarm. The lukewarm person can be dangerous because of his close proximity to other believers. They're likely to be the first one to throw cold water on the hot fervent faith of a new believer. Lukewarmness is undesirable in just about everything. Where do you want lukewarm? No coach wants lukewarm players on the field. Sort of there, sort of not, sort of motivated, sort of not, sort of wanting to win, sort of not. Tony Tony Romo wouldn't be up there as a starting quarterback for very long if he acted like, well, I kind of want to be here, kind of don't. Who wants lukewarm on the playing field? And nobody wants a lukewarm marriage. Sort of into it, sort of not, sort of in love, sort of not. If that's where you are, you need to fix it. If you think about it, some things in life were not meant to be lukewarm. Ice cream? Who wants lukewarm ice cream? Melted, warm. A cup of coffee? Never. Give it to me fervent hot or I don't want it. A cool drink on a hot summer's day, nobody wants lukewarm. Nothing worse than putting that thing of Cokes in the refrigerator. You don't give it very long, take one out, and it's lukewarm. You pop that top and you drink it and say, I don't want lukewarm Coke. And you know what? Christians are not meant to be lukewarm. God knows that sometimes we get sidetracked. We do. Sometimes life happens, and it's tough, and it's hard, and it tests your faith. And it wears away on your faith. And it pressures you. And it distracts you from your faith. God understands that. And I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about lukewarm. Listen carefully to me. Jesus is referring to a spiritual condition where our faith is not informing or influencing our actions. You say you got faith, but it's not influencing or informing your actions. Your faith is not influencing the way you live. There's a disconnect between what you say and what you live, what you say and what you walk, between your talk and your walk. He's addressing the cooled heart, the take-it-or-leave-it attitude. The case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be disposition when it comes to the things of God. Yeah, I've heard all that. The heart that has lost its fervency, its passion, its dedication, that's the lukewarm heart. It's a picture of the campfire that has burned throughout the night, hot. Everybody was around it cooking marshmallows, getting warm. But you wake up in the morning, you go out to that, and it's nothing but a few burning embers and a few wisps of smoke every once in a while, and the fire that used to be is no longer it's, it's a shadow of what it used to be. That's the lukewarm heart. It used to be on fire, but now it's not. It used to burn, but now it's not. People used to get around you to warm their faith, but now they don't. Now, Jesus does, never gives you a problem, never identifies a problem without giving you a solution. And here's his solution. He says, if you're lukewarm, let me give you the solution. Here is my prescription. He says, first, buy something from me. I advise you, I counsel you, says Jesus, to buy from me what you can only get from me. You can't get what I'm about to tell you from any other source. 
You can't get what I'm about to read to you from Muhammad, from Islam, from Buddhism, from Confucius, from any other source. You can't get it from yourself, what I'm about to tell you. Jesus said, buy of me gold, tried in the fire. See, I already pointed out to you that Jesus said to these people, you're under an illusion. You say you don't have any need at all. Your statement is, I have need of nothing. Self-deception is the worst kind of deception. If you deceive yourself, you are deceived on a level that is dangerous because you have deceived yourself. You believe something about yourself that's not true. Jesus said, you are seeing yourself in a way that's not true. You do have need of something. As a matter of fact, you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and you're naked. You're not rich where you have need of nothing. You're the opposite. Your soul is in need. Your life is in need. You are in spiritual poverty. You're lost. So I'm advising you to come to me for gold that is tried in the fire. Now you say, well, how can I buy something from him if I don't have anything, if I'm in poverty? Well, the, the phrase to buy means to find. He's telling us, you're only going to find in me what I'm telling you you've got to have. It's only found in me. It's not found anywhere else. Isaiah said, is anybody thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come buy wine or milk. It's all free. To buy means to find. What is the gold tried in the fire? It is your salvation. The gold, he said, has been tried in the fire. It is pure carrot. It is top carrot. There's no impurity, no dirt, no filth, no nothing in this gold. It has been tried in the fire. It is a perfect salvation. Nothing needs to be added to it and nothing needs to be taken from it. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to tell you the truth today. There is none other name given among men whereby you must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. There is salvation only in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, you're being so narrow. I am being narrow. Jesus said it was narrow. He said it was a narrow road that leads to life and few there be that find it. It is narrow. It's narrow. It is exclusive. There isn't another one. You can't have good intentions and get to God on your good intentions. Your righteousness to God, your good works, your good intentions, your well-meaning heart is as filthy rags as throwaway rags. It will not get you in to the presence of God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Well, are you telling me that all the other religions are wrong? I'm telling you, none of the other religions can wash your sins away, can declare you righteous, and can open heaven's gates to you. That's exactly what I'm saying. God doesn't see my heart. Yes, He sees your heart. And can I tell you the truth? It's wicked. It's evil. Have you ever broken a commandment? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever, have you ever told a lie? Well, every once in a while, Pastor, I think once or twice since the day I was born. Have you ever stolen something? Well, you know, uh, I think when I was a kid, I took somebody's bubble gum. Think about that. As a kid, you knew how to steal. <laughs> Have you ever broken one of the commandments? Well, sure, everybody has. He that has broken one is guilty of all, the Bible says. 
The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is wicked before God. It pulls down towards evil. It will pull you down. You've got to be redeemed. Your sins have got to be washed away. You have got to accept the sacrifice that God gave for you. You cannot make a New Year's resolution and get to heaven. You cannot go through some kind of reformation and get to heaven. You cannot decide you're going to be a good person because you're not good like God needs you to be good. You may do some good things, but you are not on the level that God needs you on. You've got to be pulled up. You can't claw your way up, climb your way up, scratch your way up. You've got to be brought up. And you're brought up by the blood. I counsel you to buy of me salvation. And you're only going to get it from me. Then he said, white clothes to wear. White clothes in the Bible are always symbolic of righteousness. It symbolizes the act of God declaring you righteous through the shed blood of His Son. When the prodigal son came home, first thing the father did, he, said, he turned to his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. See, that's a picture of the minute you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. God runs to you and puts a robe on you. And it's the robe of His righteousness. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And then He said, ointment for your eyes. Well, what's that? He's already told them they can't see. He already told them they're deluded. They're seeing themselves wrong. They're blind. So what is the ointment? The eye ointment is referring to what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart through salvation. His presence opens your eyes to seeing yourself and seeing the world through God's eyes. Well, I got saved in juvenile home. I was arrested and put in jail when I was 16 years old for selling narcotics. As a 16-year-old boy, I never heard the gospel in my life, ever. Never heard it. Didn't know anything about Christ, but I heard the gospel. And when I accepted Christ in the juvenile home that night, I asked the guard if he would leave the light on in my room. And he said, all right. And they had given me a little paperback striped New Testament. And I opened it up and the stories leaped out at me. Jesus walking on the water, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing everything he did. And it just came alive to me. And I didn't know it, but when I got saved, God rubbed ointment on my blind eyes. I once was blind, but now I see. Was lost, but now I'm found. The blind leading the blind is where you are until you come to Christ. But when you come to Christ, He puts the anointing of the eye salve. The Holy Spirit comes into you. Your eyes are open. And He said, you can only get that from Me. So our first remedy for lukewarmness is to come to Jesus for what only He can give us. And what is that? The gold of salvation, the clothing of righteousness, and the opening of our spiritual eyes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But then He says that you're going to have to do a second thing if you want to be delivered of lukewarmness, if you want to be red hot again, fervent again, living for God again, excited again. Repent. Now I'm going to tell you something about the word repent. It is a precious word. What a glorious word, repent. Well, repent, that sounds like hellfire and brimstone preaching. Yeah, that's what it is. If you repent, it'll save you from hellfire. <laughs> repent, beautiful six-letter word. Because if God did not give you the opportunity to repent, 
There is all the blessing that He's got for you would be withheld. Everything He's got for your life, you would miss if you couldn't repent. Jesus said, those who I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent means to reconsider. It means to change your mind. It means to change your purpose. It means you look at the way you're living and you reconsider it. You look at your life and you reconsider it. You size up your life and you you look at it and you say, is this life of mine being lived out according to the will of God as revealed in the Bible or am I off? The original language reads, definitely repent. Before he says repent, he says these words, ever be zealous. So there it is, the red-hot fervency, the first love, the, the, the red-hot spiritual life. He says, if you're going to ever be zealous, the way to get there is repentance. Martin Luther wrote, our whole lives should be one continuous repentance. I repented when I was 16 years old, and I've repented a billion times since then. Every day we ought to repent of something. That's why a lot of people avoid the book. They don't want to open the book. Because if you open the book, it brings you under conviction. You open up the book, and you're liable to read something that's going to stick you. You open the book, and you're liable to read something that's going to stick you. You say, I just don't feel like getting stuck today. So you don't open up the book, and you drift. The day you don't open up the book is the day you start to drift. And so we read the Bible, and it says, oh, oh, I messed up there. Thought something I shouldn't have. Said something I should Oh, did something I shouldn't have. Oh, and I had an attitude that I shouldn't have had. Lord, forgive me. And repentance keeps the pipeline between you and God open, open, open. Repentance does not mean, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. It's more than that. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7. Now I rejoice, not that you were sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner. When God makes you sorry for sin, He doesn't stop there. You don't just say, I'm sorry. You repent, and that means I'm turning around. I'm leaving that behind. What I'm telling you today is so for your good. Because if you don't repent, if you don't keep straight records with God, if you don't keep short accounts with God, your heart's going to drift. And you're going to end up lukewarm. Kind of in, kind of out, kind of there, kind of not. Lukewarm. Repentance requires a change of mind and a change of attitude. Repentance requires a change in lifestyle. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you today. If you have come to Jesus and you've repented to Him, it will show. It will show in your lifestyle. Don't tell me you repented and came to Jesus and you're still doing the drugs and you're still sleeping around and you're still doing all the things you were doing before you purportedly came to Jesus. Don't tell me you're saved. You're not saved. You are self-deceived. Boy, Pastor Jeff, I came to be blessed today. I didn't come to be nailed up against the chair. Well, isn't it time we quit the greasy grace and sloppy agape and got down to the real thing? God wants to change you. 
I'm not talking about you being perfect and, hey, we are all under construction. We're not what we're going to be, but we're sure not what we used to be. Well, I, well, I believe in Jesus. You can go out on the street and interview people. You believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah. I'm Southern Baptist. I'm this, I'm that. Everybody in America is Southern Baptist. <laughs> Nothing against Southern Baptists. But that's not what matters. Did you get saved? Did you get born again? Have you been washed in the blood? Do you have the eye salve? Do you have the clothing? Do you have the gold? Repent, therefore, they said in Acts 3.19, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When do we experience refreshing times of God's presence? It is after we repent. Listen to the Amplified Bible. So repent, change your mind, change your purpose, turn around and return to God. Turn and return, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing. Listen to this. This is talking about a great blessing. You don't have to smoke it. You don't have to drink it. You don't have to shoot it. You don't have to snort it. This is the blessing of God. This is the Spirit of God. This is the power of God, the peace of God. It, it is when you are joined to your Maker. Hear this now of recovering, times of refreshing, of recovering, of reviving may come from the presence of the Lord after you repent. What if you couldn't repent? What if you couldn't? I think the worst thing God could ever say, you can't repent anymore because then it's over. Think of that. What a blessing it is to be able to repent. And then he says, behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. I'm standing at the door of your church and I'm knocking. I'm standing at the door of your country and I'm knocking. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, that's the act of the will, I will come in and I will eat with you and fellowship with you and you with me. What you want is you want a bad case of Holy Ghost heartburn. That's what you want. Listen to the disciples, and I'm going to close with this. The disciples are walking down the road with Jesus. They don't even know who he is. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's in his glorified body. And they don't know who he is, so they're walking with him. And this dude starts sharing the word with them. He said, he started at the prophets, started at Moses, started at Abraham, went all the way through all the prophets explaining himself. And then later they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us and walked with us and opened to us the scriptures? Well, that gives us all we need to know. Do you want to keep your fire, your fervency, Walk with Him and let Him open to you the Scriptures daily. And He'll keep your heart on fire. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord. 
You know, one thing I noticed there at Starbucks that day was how many people were so hungry, so absolutely arrested just by somebody talking about Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow with me for a moment of prayer. You say, Pastor Jeff, you know, I've drifted. My heart's gotten lukewarm, and I need to get it lit again. I want that campfire blazing again. I want to be excited about the things of God again. I'm telling you, we gave you the answer today, straight from Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you have never been saved. Why would you leave today still not saved? Why walk out those doors? You have no guarantee of a tomorrow. You may not have another chance like this. Why do that? Today you can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. And he'll come into you and he'll give you the eye salve and the clothing, the righteousness of God, and he'll give you the goal of his salvation. If you're in one of those two categories today, you want to return to the Lord having drifted or you want to come to Him. Forget about all the people around you. This is between you and God. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. Put it up high. I'm in one of those two categories. Put it up high. I want to see you. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you and bless you. Bless you. We're going to do something right now. I'm going to ask you, I want to pray with you. I want to meet you right here, and I want to pray with you. The Lord wants us fervent for Him. He wants us to be sure about our relationship with Him. He doesn't want us going gray spiritually. So if you're in one of those two categories, I want you to slip out and just come and stand right here. If you're with somebody, just... They may come down with you to say, will you go down there with me? Come on. If you take one step, as soon as you take one step, you're not alone because the Lord is with you and he's going to meet you here. So as we worship, I want you to come and we're going to wait on you for just a couple of minutes and then we're going to move on with the service. But this is for you right now. Let's sing, Joe. Let's worship. Slip out and come right now.